are listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Well, if you would stand, please, momentarily for the reading of Scripture. Today's Scripture reading comes from John chapter 4, verses 31 through 38. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I mean, do you not say that there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest already The one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Faith Church. It's good to see you. It really is. It's good to be home and to be with those that we've loved and known for now and partnered together in the gospel for over 32 years. And we have truly been felt sent out by you and nurtured and prayed for and cared for. And so we're, we're very thankful. And my wife Dawn is here on the front row. And Dawn and I both are so very thankful. We've had a wonderful week uh, together with everyone. So for those of you that are newer and don't uh, know us, then uh, I serve with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And I've been an evangelistic communicator with InterVarsity, speaking on university campuses and churches and conferences over the last 32 years, uh, often in residence halls and fraternities and sororities and campus-wide outreach events and so on. Uh, But about 10 years ago, the Lord began stirring in my heart that as we were engaging a postmodern, post-Christian, post-Christendom audience, and we were learning a lot of what's happening in today's cultural moment, I just had a heart to serve the broader church and to steward what we've learned from InterVarsity and partner with other organizations on behalf of InterVarsity. So InterVarsity graciously has provided me a role to come out of the president's office and to be the director of evangelistic partnerships that lets me do two things, communicate Jesus winsomely and relevantly to this generation, and then to mentor an emerging generation of leaders to do the same. And that's where I I spend my life, of mentoring and communicating with leaders um, across the country and around the world. So thank you for sending us out, and uh, we, on behalf of all the missionaries who've been featured here, we want to say thank you, Faith Church, for partnering with us so, so very well in prayer and giving and encouragement. This morning, our theme is Rejoice Together for the Mission Conference. And just two months ago, many of us were watching the Tokyo Olympics. How many of you watched at least some of the Tokyo Olympics uh, together? I know there were so many great stories that came out of there, but one that really caught my attention was the U.S. Women's Gymnastics Olympic team. And you know, Simone Biles was the superstar, the greatest of all time, the GOAT, as they called her, and greatest of all time, not like she's part of the petting zoo that was here yesterday. But Simone Biles was leading the way, and with her at the lead, they thought they could go for a team gold medal in the, in the um, team competition. But when Simone Biles had to uh, be, was unable to compete because of her mental health issues that she was facing at that moment, 
that team faced a critical moment. They had to decide whether they were going to just kind of, kind of give up, if you will, or would they regroup and seize that moment. And they came together and realized they were not just Simone and friends, okay? These were world-class gymnasts in their own rights. They each had their own specialties and their own gifts. And they came together as individuals, but more so as a team. And they realized that if each person stepped up and overcame this adversity, hopefully together they could win an Olympic medal and they did. And there's a picture of them on the platform, so thankful, so proud that they, got, they were able to medal, which is no small feat, and to get the silver medal in the team. Um, and, but it took the entire team. It took people stepping into places they didn't plan to compete in. And each individual person had their contributions. But they did it. It reminded me of we've seen many other dream teams or teams that we've seen in the Olympics that were phenomenal. One is the dream team of the men's basketball in 1992, as they were nicknamed, because they had Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and a number of other people. But this assembly of incredible individual talent had to come together as well as a unit and work together as a team in order to win the gold medal because five one-on-one tournaments was not going to win the tournament, uh, win the gold medal. Well, in a much grander way, as Christ followers, God invites each one of us who name the name of Jesus to be part of the ultimate dream team, okay? If you name the name of Jesus, you are part of his team, but he wants us to be active participants in his ultimate dream team. This is a global, multinational, multilingual, multi-ethnic collection of incredible people from around the world that are seeking to serve together advancing the kingdom of God throughout the, the earth, everywhere to every corner. And so our scripture that we found today in John chapter 4 shows us some things about God's ultimate dream team, if you will. Three essential things for us who name the name of Jesus, if we are going to be active participants on this team, this diverse team of women and men that are around the world, how can we see his kingdom and his glory and his, his work advance to every corner of the planet? So in John chapter 4, you saw the passage, uh, we have three things. The first one is we need to prioritize God's mission. Uh, he says, for the, Jesus said, for my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Um, earlier, the disciples, just to put this whole thing in context, Jesus had intentionally gone through Samaria. The disciples had gone into town to buy some food. Jesus met a Samaritan woman at the well. He talked with her, which crossed all kinds of barriers of that day, gender, racial, rec- uh, religious barriers of the day. And in that conversation, this woman has an aha moment. And she goes, ah, oh, he, he must be the Christ. And so she run, the disciples come back. They return with food. They're shocked that he's breaking those cultural barriers. And he talks with a Samaritan woman. And, the, and then she abruptly goes into town and tells the people, could he be the Christ? And the, the town people come out to the well to investigate this person to see if he is indeed the Messiah. Well, at that time, the disciples now are concerned about Jesus. They'd gone into town to buy food, and so they they were concerned. Have you not eaten anything? And Jesus says to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. 
The disciples were only thinking about the physical food, but Jesus says here in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. See, that was his priority. He prioritized the mission of God in this generation, in his generation. He ordered his life around the mission of God. To do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. It was his food. It was his sustenance. It gave him life. The USA women's gymnastics team, the U.S. gymnastics team, uh, had a mission. Their mission was to medal in the Olympics, originally thinking they could get the gold medal. But things changed when Simone went down, but they still had a mission. Can we medal? And so they had to unite together and prioritize that mission. That meant some serious reordering of their lives. Uh, over the years leading up to that, that meant an investment of money. They had to take, invest their time and really focus on, on their practices. Early workouts, training, diet, sacrifice, driving, flying to world-class meets. All of that for the sake of the mission, which was to win the medal. They had to keep the goal and the mission right in front of them, not be distracted. Now, for you and me, as members of God's ultimate dream team, we easily can get distracted onto side issues or other concerns, busyness of life. But God invites us to keep that as our priority. And it's in this cultural moment. See, right now, the mission of God comes into a unique time in our American and our global history. We are at a moment where we are divided and polarized like I don't remember in my lifetime, right? We can't have civil conversations with people who disagree with us. There is racial tension and racism that was always there but has bubbled to the surface in new ways in the last few years in America and even in other parts of the world. We are angry. We've got tripwires all over the place that we don't even know we set off. And that's the cultural moment we live in. We, as a result, we've become self-absorbed. And Becky Pippert, in her latest book, Stay Salt, about evangelism, said we have become, we have God substitutes. And we want to substitute ourselves for God. We want to be God in our lives. We don't want anyone telling us what to do, how to live our lives. And we have neglected the mission of God. But it's into that very context that then our personal lives are empty and broken and anxious and absorbed with ourselves. But it's into that moment that God came. God came in the person of Jesus to redeem us, to set us free, to liberate us from that, and to have us encounter him in a new way, and to bring reconciliation between us and God and true transformation of our souls, and to help us live differently than we would otherwise. And so God came near in the person of Jesus who lived and died and rose again. And in his life, death, and resurrection, we are transformed and sent out to advance his kingdom and to bring hope and healing to this broken world that we just sang about. And that's part of being his team, but we have to keep the priorities central. Jesus said in this passage, the fields are white to harvest. This is a white unto harvest moment in our world. And God is sending us out as ambassadors of Christ, but we must prioritize his mission. But secondly, we are to be committed teammates. Uh, With the U.S. um, uh, women's gymnastics team, 
then they were a team, but, the, but when Simone Biles went down and, could, and had to withdraw from the team competition, there was a powerful moment at the Olympics, if you remember. She went to her teammates, and she looked them in the eye, and she gathered them around her, and she said, you've got this. Remember that? You've got this. You can do this. And she became their greatest cheerleader. She could have sulked in pity and sorrow for the fact that she wasn't going to be able to compete. No. She became the ultimate committed teammate. Her teammates would say, we could hear her cheering when she was in the rafters in the upper deck. We could hear her voice. She even cheered for other countries when people did a great job of, on some unusual thing. She congratulated them. She was a good sport. But she cheered for her team. And she kept encouraging them and coming alongside. That was her new role at that, light, at that season. She was no longer the performer, the star performer. On stage, she was behind the scenes. And, and then not only for her, but then we see how that entire team had to, had to kind of be committed to each other. Each person had individual gifts. Some were strong in one event. Some were strong in another. It took every single person on that team to step up and contribute. And as a result, they accomplished the mission, which was to medal in the Olympics. Now, at this day, with, in Christ's day, rather in the first century, in agriculture, we're talking about sowing and reaping. And most of us don't live on farms. Our houses may look like it at times, depending on the age of your children. Um, or my grandchildren. And, you know, you come in, and, you know, I heard one comic one time who said, you know, this is the worst pigsty I have ever seen. And he said, my mother became an expert in pigsties. And apparently this was the best. Well, that, sometimes our houses feel like that a little bit. But, but we don't live on farms, so we have to understand the culture of that day. Uh, in Israel, in agriculture, they had a, the dry summer season. I was there for the first time a few years ago to Israel, and we learned the land is actually a character in the narrative of the Bible. We have to understand the geography and the culture there. And, and their, their summers are very dry and arid, and so the ground would get dry, but then the winter rain, rains, the early rains, would start to come and soften the ground, and then they would plow the fields and break up that ground, and then a sower would come along either behind them and spread the seed or put the seed into the, into the furrows that were plowed, and then they'd plow that into the ground. So then the seed would be in the ground, and the winter rains would nourish it, and eventually there would come a time where the heavy rains came over the winter, the latter rains in March and April, and then there was harvest time where the whole family pitched in. Everyone had a job to do to harvest that crop because some had planted it, and some had watered it, and some had cultivated it, and now everybody needs to help out with the harvest because that's how they have their food for the coming months. So when we think of sowing and reaping, Jesus says in here that one sows and another reaps. I find that really interesting. I really do. Because that word another means another of the same kind. So it's not like someone completely different uh, comes on, uh, with a whole different skill set or a different mission. It's like one sows, another reaps, but they are both part of the team with the mission to see the harvest completed. I find in my own work that there are times where I am sowing seeds, like many of you, and I'm investing in someone's life. I had an Uber ride last, last week in Glen, in, uh, on the way to Glen Airy in Colorado, in Colorado Springs, teaching younger leaders out there in the mountains. And that's, if somebody's got to do it, you got to, uh, <laughs> sorry, just did it, you know. And um, in fact, Johnny, I got to tell you real quick, that the first song we sang, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, there, 
it was so awesome. I've, I've sung that so many places, like spring break and many other places for mission trips and, and mission-oriented things. But this was special when it, we had a sunrise hike with younger leaders every morning. And we'd go up in those Colorado mountains and we'd watch the sunrise from behind the mountains. we say, the sun comes up. There's a new day dawning, and I'm like, ah. Somebody has to get paid to do that. And, uh, but, oh, and then the conversations on the hills up and down with those leaders about their lives and their callings and their heart for this generation and for our cultural moment. It was priceless to be able to walk with them as we sang and blessed the Lord, oh, my soul. Well, I'm thrilled to be able to see God at work in that way. And so some of us sow those seeds. And we never get to see the harvest. I had an Uber ride to, the, to that venue, to the Glen Area Castle, and uh, got to have a 30-minute conversation with a woman that ended in me praying for her and her sharing about the pain of her life. It's like, I don't know all the fruit that's coming out of that, but I, wanted to, I just showed up and sowed seeds. Other times I come to a campus, people have been praying and working and sowing seeds in the lives of their friends for weeks and months and years, and then I get to show up and help harvest some of what's happened there. But it's a team. We're a committed teammate together. One of my roles with InterVarsity involves partnering with different ministries across the country and across the world, and it's been a privilege to be able to see ministries collaborating together. And I won't go into a lot of the time on that right now, but just to say, boy, it is beautiful to see InterVarsity and crew come together and say, we want to see every campus in America have a campus fellowship that is a campus ministry on ev all 5,000 campuses in America. And that's bigger than InterVarsity and crew and navigators or anybody else. We now have 100 partnering organizations working together toward that goal so that today's third grade students, when they go to college in 10 years, will have a campus ministry at their campus. And people have prayer walked every single one of those 5,000 campuses in the last year. That's a collaborative partnership. Jesus Film Project having 1,500 ministry partners to help distribute the film. That's collaboration, not, not, that's collaboration, not competition. And I see it geographically, too, um, just seeing how the global church is both sending and receiving. I was in Indonesia a few years ago uh, at the Younger Leader Gathering. Just to let you in on it, I wasn't there as a younger leader, okay? But I was there as a mentor. And I, was, I had the privilege of being with a 1,000 young leaders under age 40 that God is raising up around the world, 130 countries, that are humble, biblical, Christ-centered, gospel-focused, and have a heart for their generation. And they came together to say, what is God doing in the world in my generation? And I serve with the Lausanne movement globally, and every 10 years we have one of these younger leader gatherings of who is God raising up around the world and while I was there, I got, had the opportunity to meet with some, a delegation from the People's Republic of China. And, the, and these were house church leaders in China. And they had met the previous year in Hong Kong, and they had calculated that there were 20,000 missionaries that were sent to China in the last 200 years. And one of their leaders looked at me privately, and he said, we believe it's time to repay that debt. We're praying that 20,000 missionaries will go from China for the next 10 years, by the year 2030. I met a woman who was headed to East Africa, 
And she said in Africa, and in that part of Africa, I think it's now more than that, but at that time she said there were over one million Chinese living in that part of Africa, and I'm going to reach my fellow citizens that are living in Africa, where the church is obviously thriving. There are Chinese companies being awarded construction contracts to build churches in Africa. How beautiful is that? So now the theme is from everywhere to everywhere. Not like one theme was 150 years ago, from the west to the rest. It's from everywhere to everywhere. So I've met, I was in Cairo and I was meeting with uh, people from southern Africa who were coming to northern Africa and could get in there a lot easier than I could and blend in and know the culture. And they were reaching people in North Africa and the Middle East. People in the North African regions were going into difficult parts of the Middle East People from Africa coming to America because we're a mission-receiving country, if you don't know that, and they are concerned about what's happening here, and we're receiving people who are missionaries to America. The Canadian um, forecasters were, were talking about how secularized Canada was going to be and how religion was falling down, but what they didn't count on was immigration, and God brought people from thriving parts of the world to Canada, including Latin America, and seeing Latinos that were coming with vibrant churches and were starting churches in Canada. Only a global God does something like that. And you and I are part of that global team. And generationally, I see partnerships between the generations. I love mentoring younger leaders. They give me life. And I get to hear their callings and their hearts and help them connect with God for their generation. And they go places I can't go. We have 18, 19, 20-year-old TikTok evangelists today. They're using TikTok evangelistically. Awesome. You know, somebody said if Billy Graham was 18 years old, he'd be using TikTok. You know, he would. That's how pioneering it was. But I get to work with these young leaders. Jesus said, you get to sow what, uh, reap what you haven't sown, and others have gone ahead of you. So on the one hand, I would just want to say on this partnering area, we are to partner together. No, two ways. We are partnering with sowers and reapers. We get to reap what others have sown, or we, get, we sow and others will reap. But also we get the privilege of partnering with vocational missionaries. And I want to ask you, who are you partnered with? It's helpful and healthy for me to be partnered with somebody that's doing something different from me so I don't get so absorbed in me. Because believe it or not, the world doesn't start and stop right here. I have to remind myself of that. It's about God's global team, not your organization, not you, not your mission, not yourself. It's about God and his glory. And so who are you linked arm in arm with? The paraphrase from Eugene Peterson of this passage says, Now the sower is arm in arm with the harvester, triumphant. And that picture of being linked arm in arms with vocational missionaries that go places that you don't go and that have gifts that you don't have or I don't have, that helps us see God's broader kingdom work. I was getting updates last night on my phone, live video feeds from Malawi about some of my Luis Palau evangelist friends that were holding a festival there. And 6,000 people were gathered. You know, it's thrilling to see that. But you miss that if you're not linked arm in arm with God's global cause. And, and I miss that if I'm not linked arm in arm with other missionaries to pray and care and to give. So the third thing about God's global team is not only do we prioritize the mission and we are committed teammates of going and sending, but thirdly, we rejoice together. A win for one is a win for the team. 
I love the, the image with the U.S. women's gymnastics team with Suni Lee coming from Minneapolis, St. Paul, and she um, was competing for the all-around. And, and they began showing these live feeds of the family, you know, that were um, in on it, which was really cool because they were part of the team. They've sacrificed so much. But it began with about 30 people in a living room or somewhere. Then there were about 60 or 70. And then it was the, this Hmong community of about 300 people were crammed into a community center and they were sharing in this. It was their win. It was their victory. They were rejoicing as Suni Lee won individual gold in the all-around. That was a chance to rejoice together. In the biblical times, after they gathered the harvest, then they had a celebration. It was called the Festival of Weeks, later called Pentecost, where they celebrate all the work has been done. Look at now the grain has been harvested. Let's celebrate together. That's what we've been doing this morning. My heart was just so full hearing these other missionary stories. So it's a win when I think about the English classes that are being taught in Spain at the academy with Youth for Christ and reaching middle, middle school students through the stoves. Or if I hear about Cindy Irwin uh, and her English classes here in, in uh, Noblesville and studying the Bible with people and now serving with Afghan refugees in Camp Atterbury, coming almost full circle with her life, that's a win. And I rejoice at that. The Jesus Film Project being translated into 1,900 heart languages. I had 1,700 down, and I guess it went up 200 since I sat here. But um, it's happened so fast I can't keep track. It's kind of like McDonald's, billions and billions served. But the Jesus Film Project, seeing that in the heart language of 1,900 people groups, to see thousands of young adults mobilized for God's global cause through the Urbana Mission Conference, and to see as God gives us opportunity to communicate Jesus winsomely in this generation and to mentor younger leaders to do the same. Those are all wins for the team. And if you're not linked up with someone, you're missing out on the party. I, was, I just rejoice when I see so many other things happening. I, I, God gives us a little window into some of this around the world. 20-something young man was on a Zoom call with me recently. He's got, he said, my heart is to call my generation to consecrate, to live holy lives and be about God's purposes. And he's organizing a conference called Consecrate in Dallas-Fort Worth. My, the IFES InterVarsity uh, Director of Russia that I mentor, in, from, and he's in Siberia. We meet every month by Zoom. He's leading that movement to creatively reach university students throughout all of Russia. As I think about my podcast co-hosts that I co-host on a global podcast for on mentoring with the Global Azan Movement, one of my co-hosts is a French evangelist, and that is not an oxymoron, by the way, okay? He is a French evangelist, late 30s, and God's used him to translate and provide resources for apologetics and evangelism in the entire French-speaking world in Africa and Quebec and across Europe. I think of my other co-host, Delphine, who's in Cameroon, and she's 40, some, 40 years old, just turned 40. Same birthday as mine, just a different year. She, she asked me if I'd write her a little note of encouragement. What would I have said to myself at age 40 and write her a word of wisdom? I'd said, look out. No, but, <laughs> and she, uh, but she's, a, she's my teammate, and she's leading leadership development, has two doctorates, and is leading God's missional work throughout Africa. I get to be a friend on the journey with them. 
of who God's raising up in this year, this, these days. I was with Leighton Ford, and we had a retreat two weeks ago, in the, uh, three weeks ago up in the mountains of North Carolina, and was leading that, and these, these, all with the idea of nurturing younger leaders and in mentoring groups. God is at work across our, our world. But it's not for, unlike the U.S. Olympic teams, it's not for the glory of an individual or a team or even a country. It is for the glory of God that we just sang about to the ends of the earth. I love the way he's pull, raising up a new generation of people who are sent and those who are sending. And one of the things I want to ask you as we close the message here is, what is God inviting you to in this life stage? About four years ago, I felt a new prompting that I needed to serve more broadly in some very unique ways. And I didn't know what all that meant, but I felt those stirrings that at this moment, it may be you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you may be sitting there saying, God has invited me into some way to get more engaged with God's global work and with, his, with missionaries and even in where I need to go. Or you may be in your 20s and 30s and be like Tom Miner was and sitting here saying, I'm, I just really feel like I can take my IT skills or my business and entrepreneurial skills and serve in God's kingdom work full-time in some way vocationally using that in business's mission or with, in operations with an existing ministry, you may be feeling that stir in your heart today. Is God saying his invitation to you is come? What's next? What's this next chapter? It may be radical like that. And it may be saying link up with one new missionary. Pray for them, care for them, share, uh, share your resources with them, enable them and help them to be able to live into their calling as well. One of the great joys I've had is being in homes of people that had young children, and they had partnered with us in ministry. And I'd be sitting in the home, and they have a little jar in the middle, and that's the name of all the missionaries that they support. And their kids, every night at dinner, would get to pull out one name, and they say, that's who we're praying for tonight. They were teaching their kids about Christ's global cause by being partnered with them, and they knew what was going on in their lives. Is that what God's inviting you to do, to link up in strong ways? These days are quite challenging, no question about it. We're in a postmodern, post-Christendom, angry, tense era. In many ways it feels dark, doesn't it? But I'm reminded of one of my favorite scenes from the film Apollo 13. The spaceship is on the verge of, they're not sure it will re-enter correctly, they're trying to survive, not lose life as Apollo 13 is in great, great danger. And someone goes to the flight director, Gene Krantz, and they said, this could be NASA's darkest hour. And that's what many think about the church right now, don't they? And Gene Krantz looks at him and he goes, no, I believe this could be our finest hour. For the church of Jesus Christ, this can be our finest hour as we run into the trouble spots. We bring hope and healing. We partner with missionaries. We go ourselves wherever we are, and we are part of Christ's global team. So how can, I'm going to ask you today, what are you holding in your hand? What is God inviting you to, to offer and bring? What's your unique contribution? Some of you have upfront gifts of teaching, speaking, preaching, leading, Others of you are more behind the scenes. You like to lighten the load of someone. You have administrative helps. You've got gifts of mercy and administration and, and organization. It's like we need all of that. What are you holding in your hand? And what is God inviting you to to be part of his global team?
So how can you participate in this ultimate dream team? Four areas you'll be invited to over the coming weeks. First of all, you can pray. And each of the missionaries have prayer teams where you can receive updates. And we love sending out our updates and getting responses back of people praying for us as we go. I have people praying for us right now for this day, for this conference. It's wonderful to go because we face spiritual attack like anyone else. And we can, you can pray. Secondly, you can care. The, each missionary has a care team and ways to send notes and encouragement and to encourage us when it gets lonely and hard and you feel like giving up. I've had more days of that in my life than I can count. And then a note comes from someone. Thirdly, you can give. What kind of resources do I have, am I holding here, that will allow me to leverage what I have of my gifts, my talents, but also my financial resources and leverage that for the sake of God's global dream team? I want to be in the game so I can celebrate together the wins together. And fourthly, we all are sent to go, every one of us, to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, to our families and friends. And some of us also are, are given the wonderful opportunity to be full-time vocationally, to be freed to go to some other places and be devoted in our lives like that. But all of us are called to go. Well, I'd like for us to stand together and offer ourselves to the Lord. And Johnny and the team are going to lead us in a closing song here in just a moment. But would you stand with me? And we want to simply offer ourselves to God in this moment. I don't know what God's speaking to you about, but would you just take a moment? And if you want, you can even open your hands, close your eyes, and just open your hands and say, God, I offer myself to your global team. I, I want to be available to you. So let's pray together. Father, Thank you that you have invited us to participate with you in your work that you are doing here and around the world. And together we offer ourselves in fresh ways to your cause. We offer ourselves, Lord, to, you, to the cause of Christ the King. And we give our lives, Lord, as an offering to you. Asking you to work in and through us to both send and to be sent into your harvest field, joining arms with missionaries and other organizations and joining arms with you and what you have to do. And we want to do that until the whole earth resounds with praise to the Son as we sow in faith and we reap in joy. In Jesus' name.